Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Grief is, is now, in, in a certain sense, my companion for the rest of my life because my life isn't ever going to be the way it was before Logan died. That is Brad Knefelkamp as he shares with Pastor Paul today about the tragedy experienced in his family, the dark days ahead, and ultimately where he is finding hope. The name of this program is Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. Now, all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. This is Life Support, and I'm so glad you've joined us. We are talking about stories that have to do with trauma and suffering. And you may say, well, why are you talking about that? It's because we want you to come to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And we can learn together how to walk others through trauma. And we've been speaking with Brad Kneffelkamp, who has been sharing his story. And last time we talked about his son, Logan, who had a journey, and he took his life three years ago, and Brad was sharing about the different nuances of that and and how he was encouraged about his faith and some of the things that he went through. And he talked about three things that he heard afterward that was really helpful for him. And Brad, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. What were those three things that you heard one was from your dad, one was for your wife, and one was for your boss, right? Yeah. And what my what my dad said right away, the first words out of his mouth, like I said, were, it's not your fault. And um and then my my boss, you know, just really encouraged me uh by saying, you know, I believe we're gonna see our sons again, since he had a, uh well his his son died as well. And then my wife, it's, it's, it's been, she's been so awesome throughout all of this. And, uh, you know, I would share things with her at the very beginning of this. Well, I still share things with her. But at the beginning, when, when you're just processing through all this, and I would say what's on my heart, and just having her say the words, I know, not not in a stop talking sort of way, like yeah, I know, but but no, someone there who says, I get it, I I know what you mean, I I'm feeling the exact same thing, and those those three things are the best things you can hear, at, uh, as a parent who has uh, had a child die, I I I say had a child die. Uh, I, I kind of stay away from the words lost because Logan isn't lost. I know where Logan is. I know I'll see him again. And um, I just, uh, I, can't, I can't go there and feel right about it in my heart. Uh, I, I know other people say, yeah, I lost a son or I lost a, a child or whatever. And, and I don't try and correct them for that. Uh, I don't think it's wrong. Um, but for me, I just, something inside me goes, no, I can't quite say that because I don't believe it. 
keeps the reality of heaven and eternal life available for you and the fact that there is hope. And that's a big deal, really big deal. And the older we get, the less time it seems that's in between now and then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so that's a real it's a real hope. And I I know what you mean by someone understanding, because one of the parts of this journey is it's a lonely journey. Um, Only those that are really in the club kind of know what you're feeling. But even then, our circumstances are different. So when you have your wife there that's experienced very similar circumstances, even though she may be grieving in a different way, mm-hmm. you don't have to explain a lot of things to her. She's there. She gets it. She's, she's, she knows you. She knows your pain. And that's a really big gift from God to have that. Yes, it is. So I'm, I'm glad you shared that. And I think that one thing we can do is we can encourage those that are suffering to, number one, don't be afraid to share it with your spouse. Number two, if there's tension in your relationship because of the suffering you're going through, just reach out and get help because we do grieve differently. And there are times when we don't understand completely like, why are you, why are you acting like that? Or don't you care? Or why are you laughing? You shouldn't be laughing or whatever it was. I remember when uh, we lost our son, Taylor, and Wendy put up some pictures in the home. Mm. And that was her way of remembering. I wasn't ready to remember that way. And I remember feeling very angry. And then, you know, I got back to my senses and thought, no, that's that's her way. But those are the little things that we run into. Right, right. And just knowing that there isn't a, a right or a wrong way to grieve, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was kind of flip-flopped for Michelle and me in that uh, I wanted to get out the home videos. I wanted to look at the pictures. And and she was like, how can you do that? She said, "Just it just makes me sad all over again. And I, I said, you know, honey, I said, the sadness is there inside of me, and it's looking for, for an outlet here. And uh, this helps me process through that. It, it, it gives it a... A chance to express itself. That's that's one thing I I haven't done, is I haven't withheld uh, my emotions in, in this. I'm I'm fortunate enough to where I've got a where I work I've got, I've got a separate studio office, and uh, boy when when you get ambushed when all of a sudden the emotions just dump on you and you're like oh oh here it comes. I've had this place where I could go, have a good cry, let it out, get back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think holding it in would be just about the worst thing. Not healthy and not good emotionally. You, during this process, had an amazing dream Yeah. about grief. Yeah. Will you share that with us? Sure. It was a couple weeks um, after after Logan had died, and I, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was shortly after um, his funeral, which was an amazing uh, ceremony. Uh, like I said, Logan was in the military. I know you didn't ask about this, but you're going to hear it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the military, and uh, and his whole platoon showed up. They didn't have to, but but they all showed up and paid their respects, and, and they got in, in the line, and they did the whole uh, 
a flag folding ceremony. They played taps. Uh, they let his his brother Spencer go up and and do the drum roll for taps, mm. and it was just amazing. And then um, the soldier who had the flag when it was all folded knelt down. Milo got up, walked in front, and they knelt down and offered the flag over to Milo on behalf of the President of the United States of America and, and, and their troop. And, and uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Going home, he wouldn't let that flag go. He said, this is my dad's flag. Yeah. Wow. But uh, so anyway, it was, it was after that. Uh, Milo said to me, can I make a bed out in the living room and, uh, and sleep in it? Which meant, will you sleep out there with me on the floor? <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, yeah I, I got to take this responsibility seriously. I'll do that. And... Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I went out there and, and quickly uh, uh, rearranged the agreement and said, well, I'm going to sleep on the couch next to you. And he was fine with that. And... Uh, we just learned more from you in that one moment than we have this whole time. What a, what a great thing. You, know, you took that wonderful act of service, and you flipped it around, and you, and you made it so you could actually do it. You're on, <laughs> yeah. Now you're on the couch and not the floor. Now well, I'm on well the done. couch, not the floor. And I told him, if you're, if you're not asleep in 15 minutes, you're going back to your bedroom. And he, he was fine with that. And, boy, he zonked out right away. And I'm lying on the couch, and... And uh, the moon is rising, and it's dark out. And as the moon's rising, I'm looking out this big picture window, and all of a sudden I see this figure. And it's a figure of a man, and he's coming up to the window. And, and next thing I know, he's standing at the foot of the couch. And this figure is, oh, like, nine feet tall and his head is down his shoulders are slouched and I can't make out any distinct features of him everything is kind of bulbous and, and fuzzy um, and he, he's holding out his hand for me to take it and I thought to myself I'm not taking your hand I know who you are uh, for, for some reason I just knew this is grief and, and I'm not going because in, in my mind, I was like, I know the company you keep, you know, and they're not good. And I'm not going to go down that road of, of all, all this depression and all, all this sort of thing. I'm just, I'm not going there. But he just waited. And at this point, I don't even know that I'm asleep. It just, it transitioned so seamlessly. It just seemed like I was having some sort of a a vision, I guess, without making it too eerie or whatever. But I, I remember I, I wasn't afraid. In fact, I was a little upset, and I was, I was kind of challenging, saying, you can stand there all you want. I'm, I'm not taking your, your hand. But then it was like time just stopped, and it was just taking forever. And so finally it was like, okay, fine, I'll take your hand. And the minute I touched him, we were on a street, 
uh, we're, we're in a town, and, and there were all these streets going in all these different directions. And I noticed that the streets had different names. One was anger, and uh, one was depression, and, and, and so on and so on. And I looked down the street of anger, and uh, it, it was filled with houses with their lights on. There were no curtains on the windows, and you could see in everyone's house, and you could see all the strife and all the anger and bitterness, people accusing one another. And uh, But he didn't take me down that road. He took me down a totally different direction, and we were going toward a city. And as we got closer, there was this back alley. And the back alley was, was it had dumpsters, it had... Uh, doors kind of set set in away from from the lights so they they were all in the shade in the shadows and um so i've got grief by the hand and and i'm walking down and all of a sudden up from behind me just felt like i got hit by a sledgehammer on the back of the head got knocked to the ground and all i could hear was why didn't you and it went through a list of things. Why didn't you uh, go visit him while he was staying uh, alone in a motel room? You knew he hated being alone. Why didn't you, and like I said, the list just went on and on. And every time I tried to get up, I'd get hammered again. And I'd end up, I'd end up down on that pavement. And I remember looking up and grief is just standing there waiting for me. But I looked past him, and I saw way down at the end of this uh, alleyway, there was light. And as I really looked, I could see in that light, it was a park, and the sun was shining. It wasn't nighttime. And there were kids laughing and playing. And, and I, I realized, that's where grief is leading me. None of these other things would lead me there. And I realized grief isn't my enemy. Grief is, is now, in, in a certain sense, my companion for the rest of my life because my life isn't ever going to be the way it was before Logan died. It just, it, it can't be. Um... Part of me is missing. You know, um, I think it was C.S. Lewis who was talking about when one of his friends from the Inklings died. And he said, well, now the me that, that showed itself whenever I was around him is gone. That that part of me no one, no one will ever see because it only came out when he was around. And that is so true with, uh, you know, losing a child, I think, especially. It's like there's a part of me that, that isn't here anymore. It, it, it can't be because he brought that out in me. When we would sit around the, the dining room table and, and talk about, <laughs> we'd get into theories of quantum physics and stuff. Not that we know anything about it, but we'd, we'd start talking about this stuff. No one else in the family would join in. 
you know, but it was just me and Logan. We 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 had such a good time talking about different theories and and things like that. And yeah, that just isn't going to come out anymore like it like it did then. It's it really is losing a child is like losing a, a body part. Uh, it you you don't get over it. You adjust and you learn different ways to cope, but but you don't get over it. You lose your arm, you don't get over that. You find different ways to maneuver, but... And it's almost like you have to... I love that image of taking the hand of grief because to ignore the grief leads to the other streets that you were talking about because mm -hmm. that leads you to anger and bitterness and, and, and blaming others and all that kind of thing. If you let yourself just follow the grief then you're doing what God designed you to do because that's a God-given way of coping. Grief yeah, I, is God-given. We're wired that way. But you're right, and it, I think that when you lose a child, because you have lost that part of you and you begin to change, then it's almost like you have to lean into a different world, sometimes even different friends, sometimes different ways of doing things, different activities, because that new world embraces the new you. And sometimes the old world doesn't want the new you, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, it does. That's, that's been our experience. You know, uh, it, it's hard being on the other side, too. I mean, it's very being hard. the person who who's, you've got a friend and, and they've lost a loved one uh, or a child, I think especially, and you're kind of like, okay, when does, when does my friend come back? Well, your friend has changed. Um, it, it isn't, they are, aren't going to be that way exactly. So that, it's, it's, it's hard. very hard. And you have to then give grace to them as they try to grapple with it as well. And also be okay with the fact that some of those friendships are going to change. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes friends are friends for a season and, you you know, God brings new people into your life. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's a real blessing because then they embrace you as the whole the whole new package. In other words, well, yeah, this is my friend Brad. He, you know, he lost his son and I like Brad. I like the way Brad is. Mm -hmm. I didn't know Brad before or whatever. So you can just be who you are. Right. And you're accepted as the whole package. Yeah. And that's a, and that's something that I think we can all learn in churches is to you know, just embrace people that are suffering or have gone through things as they are. And don't expect them to fit into your mold or even how they used to be. Try to embrace the new them. And it's much better to be honest about how you're feeling, and it's much better to, to be honest with yourself. If this friendship is for a season, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But don't expect them to snap back to the way they were. It's not realistic, and it doesn't happen that way. In fact, I don't think that's God's plan. Because one of the things that God does through these horrific tragedies is God changes us for the better. That's a biblical promise. So he doesn't want us to snap back, because if we did, we wouldn't be leaning into what he wants for us now, which right. is part of the plan. So I think that's hopeful for me. You know, I, I am different. People look at me and they go, you know, oh, you're, you're introverted now. Or... You know, you, you know, you don't like to be around people as much. You don't laugh as much. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But I'm okay with it because that's just how I am now. Yeah. Yeah. 
I remember, uh, boy, it took me a long time to listen to music again. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I, I mean, music has been a big part of my life. Um, I was worship leader for for years at a couple different churches. Um, uh, went through school, uh, playing several instruments, um, and I went to college as a music major. But boy, after that, I was just like, I I can't listen to this. I just I I couldn't let myself at the time enjoy it. It just felt wrong. And I remember it took the longest time. People would say, how are you doing? People like to ask that a lot after <laughs> after I know. your kid dies. It's a bad question. How I, are you doing? I, and I still end up doing it. And it's a terrible question. Oh. I find myself doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, for the longest time I'd say, I'm doing okay. And then I'd have to tell them, and you know what? Okay is the new good. That's good. That's a good line. I like that. Because it was just like, you know what? I'm still standing. People would also say, how are you hanging in there? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And immediately the words that came out of my mouth the very first time I heard it, how are you hanging in there? I, I, I turned to him and I said, hanging in there? I said, I let go. I said, because if Jesus can't hold me up at this time, then... <laughs> and then then this relationship is worthless. That's right. You know, I've, I've said this a lot, but I'll say this again, is that the best thing I heard from people through the couple of different experiences with grieving that I've had is just, I'm with you, mm. care about you, praying for you, because it doesn't require me to try to help them understand how I am. I just know they're there. Right. That's all that really matters. Right. Words... Words don't really, except for the, what you referenced, God brought those words into your life that you referenced those three times from three very special people in your life. Right. Generally speaking, words are empty, but the presence of people is not empty. Yeah. If they're there with you, you know that they're there with you. And that's all you really need to know. Because you have to grapple with this whole thing on your own anyway. It's between you and God. At the end of the day, it's, it's between you and God. Yeah. And that seems like that's the way he wants it. Yeah. Because that causes us then to to totally depend on him because everything else is kind of like now people are talking about a lot of our idols have been stripped away during this pandemic. I think there's a lot of truth in that because now we're faced with no entertainment, no sports, no school, no, no inter, you know, nothing. What do we have? Well, we make a choice. You know, mm-hmm. God's still there. Yeah. So yeah. we can go there if we want. try something new, you know? So it's really interesting that you said that because I think that was really, really profound. And I think that there are times when we need to remember um, that when we say things to people, we don't want to have to require a response and make them explain it to us because that Mm -hmm. can be exhausting. I I still find it hard when when I'm faced with someone who has uh, had a child die as to what to say. Even though I've been through it, I, I, mm. I'm like, oh, I still don't know what to say to you. Yeah. I want to say I'm sorry, but I didn't do anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you're like, what are the words here? But I, I like what you just said. I'm with you. I had a guy in a church that I was pastoring in Tucson that would just walk by and grab my elbow and keep walking. Mm. Didn't say a word. And that, that touch to the elbow said everything. I'm here. Yeah. Thinking about you. 
And you have uh, shared that dream, and Brad, I appreciate you sharing that. And there's some there's one other aspect of your story I want to get into next time, and that's about how other members in your family reacted and how you were able to shepherd them and how Jesus showed you things within that, if that's all right. Come back next time. Sure. Thanks for sharing your story. And um, we've been we've been talking with a man that um, has been through a lot, Brian or Brad Kneffelkamp, and Brad has shared really transparently about his own loss. And, you know, the great thing about Jesus, even though suffering can be difficult and we feel like we've lost our bearings and we become afraid and we feel like we've been thrown for a loop, God promises that he will stand with you every day. In Joshua 1.5, we are promised that no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So know that what's happening today is no surprise to God. He planned it. You are in his hands. He knew this pandemic is coming. He knew that there would be suffering in our world right now. It's no surprise, and he has his hand on you. So I want to encourage you with that today. Thank you so much for spending time with us on Life Support. We want to tell stories that will make Jesus more real to you. We're so thankful for our partners, Faith Radio, Five Stone Media, and Ridgewood Church. Faith Radio can be found at myfaithradio.com, known in the Twin Cities as the home of KTIS. Also here at this church, Ridgewood, myrwc.org, slash life support and video at fivestonemedia.com. Thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. For a video version of this program, log on to fivestonemedia.com slash life support. This program is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, Subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.